Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. I want to welcome an author who's been a best-selling author for umpteen years, I, I guess I would say over 30 years. And he is, I'm his, I'm, I'm such a huge fan. So I, without further ado, I want to welcome Richard Bach. Richard, thanks so much for being here with me. Oh, goodness. What an introduction. Wonderful. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you, Susan? I, I'm good. I'm good. Now, I, I, I have to tell everybody, some of the books that you've written. So you've written Jonathan Livingston Siegel, a book called Illusions, which I shared with you before we uh, started taping, is uh, Mike Candy. Mike, oh, I, I just love it. And then you've written another book called A Bridge Across Forever, uh, a book called One. I mean, you've written, how many books have you written? Probably uh, over 30? Uh, 21. 21. Yeah. Okay, 21 books. Yeah. And I'm excited because there seems to be, uh, we're going to talk about two uh, books that you wrote at the beginning of your career that you have um, added to in a way. And and both of those books you didn't think you were ever going to add to. One of them's Jonathan Livingston Siegel, and the other one yeah. is Illusions, right. The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. But you've written now Illusions to the Adventures of a Reluctant Student. <laughs> That's right. And I, so let's talk, uh, which one do you want to talk about first, Richard? Well, we could talk about... Uh uh, Seagull, because uh, that was that. There were four parts of Jonathan Livingston Seagull when it was written, but uh, when it was time to publish it, I said, "Oh, we don't need this fourth part. It really doesn't apply." And uh, the way I I saw it, it it just wasn't necessary. And I thought I thought the whole thing was was thrown away. And about a year ago, um, my very, very good friend, Sabrina, found, found it. And she said, have you seen this? And I said, no, I haven't seen it. What, what's that? And she said, it's the fourth part of Jonathan Siegel. And I read it. They said, oh, my goodness, times have changed. And, uh, and we sent that to the publisher, and she thought it was, was, was wonderful. And uh, so it, it's been published now and, uh, in, um, in Kindle. Yes. And, and it will be, uh, I think, in October it'll come out in the, in the printed version. Well, the thing I love about uh, Jonathan Livingston Siegel, now that I'm older and wiser and have life experience to really understand <laughs> what you were saying, um, is that it is about, it's about freedom but freedom from the um, old ways of being. And so w- part of the theme that we've been talking about this month, Richard, just I should have caught you up at the beginning. We've been talking about finding the new normal. And I think that's what your f- this Jonathan Livingston Siegel and then adding the fourth piece kind of puts the button on is that there there is a new normal out there for everybody. And, and it's not doing things the old way. It's about practicing and exploring, yes? Exactly right, yes. And then not buying into what other people say should be your truth. If, yeah, if, if other people want to do something, that's absolutely fine for them. But in, unless there's a harmonic within us that says, this is my highest right, it's not for us. We have our own inner sense of the way we ought to live and the, the way we should express life through our own. And, and that's, that's for us to do, not for someone else to do. Right. And I think that we've been indoctrinated, uh, I will use that word, indoctrinated into believing that there is somebody outside of me that has authority over me. And if I can just find that person to tell me what to do, my life will be perfect. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. But then we discover at some point in our life 
we discover that that voice comes from within us. Yeah. It will be. It will. It will give us suggestions. If we're creative people, it will say, "Here's a movie. Here's a book. Here's a dance. Here's a song. Here's whatever it is." It'll sing to us, and we we have to take a while and recognize it really is for us. It's it's not for somebody else to do, and, and so there's a test in our life that says, uh, "Do I really want to go out on this on this plank?" And, right. and try it because I don't think there's any money in it. Um, and maybe I should not do it. But this quiet little voice says, do it. This is your destiny. Do it. Do it anyway. And so we do it. And sure enough, we have difficult times. And, and there, there, there's no money. There's no um, recognition, whatever there is. But at some point, it happens. And it tells us you did the right thing. And tests like that just come over and over and over in our lives. And sometimes uh, the, the tests that come are even more difficult. Um, I, I often think that, that we, we mortals are so brave to, <laughs> to choose lifetimes in, in space and time because we have, we have that amnesia of our our total life, our spiritual life, and we're just sit, sitting here on what looks to be a, a planet with all kinds of terrible things coming toward us and so forth. What what bravery would we have to do that? And, oh. <laughs> and af, after a time, we recognize that there is a principle that guides us, and, and we don't have to worry about the money. It will take care of us somehow, one way or another. It will, as long as we're I so appreciate you saying that because, I, and I love in your writing, I, first of all, everyone that's listening, you have got to get one of Richard's books because the way you write, Richard, is very um, philosophical, poetic, but to the point. I can't even believe how many times I read one of your books and I get a zowie right between the eyes <laughs> or in my heart. You know, I'm like, wow, that was, you know, just one sentence in one of your books and I can chew it over for, for hours going, wow, that was really interesting. Wow, oh. I have to think about that. Richard, let me just catch people up to speed in case they haven't read your books. And I invite everybody that's listening to at least go get Jonathan Livingston Siegel or Illusions, the current ones that are out. So you are you are 
you were an Air Force pilot, and and then you've just flying has been your thing for your entire life, and you've actually built your own planes. Yes, that's correct. Yes. So um, speak. I've, I've always loved flying. Yeah, sure. So speak about uh, the planes. Uh, your experience of the crash now, because that was that in a that was in a plane that you actually built. Yes. Uh, it was one that somebody else built. It was mm. a, a home-built airplane. Uh, I, I built a, a little airplane a long time ago. Uh, but uh, this one is a little seaplane, and it's just a marvelous airplane. And uh, I've flown it a lot. I got it in Florida, flew it in Florida, and then flew across the country here to Washington State. And uh, it's, it's a joyful little About a year and a half ago, uh, I was landing in a, in a little farmer's field there, and uh, and for some reason, first time in my life, I didn't notice that there were wires right on the final approach, and and a strange thing happened. For me, from my point of view, I had a beautiful landing. I just settled down right next to the grass, and I could hear. The, the leaves of grass uh, flickering uh, against the, the wheel just before it touched. And uh, then suddenly everything went black. And I thought, oh, I thought I was flying, but I guess this is a dream. And it was, uh, the, the blackness was as if someone had a visor of black plastic that they put in front of me. I said, okay, well, I'll just wait for my dream to finish part two. Uh-huh. And uh, part two, all of a sudden, I was in a completely different world. I was uh, 1,500 feet, it seemed like, about 1,500 feet, above, the, above this beautiful land. And here, here was a little village. And, and I remember there were some children uh, who were playing some kind of game. And one little child was running around around the circle. And it, it was and something I, I don't remember vaguely, vaguely from my childhood. I remember something like that. Richard, let me say that again so everybody can hear it again because it's so powerful. She said to you, you are a perfect expression of perfect love here and now, and there is no, what was it? 
There's no effects. You will have no permanent effects. There will be no permanent effects. You are a perfect expression of love here and now, and there will be no permanent effects. I love that. because so true. And, and the amazing thing, and, and I've done a, a little bit of visualization in the past in my life, but this one, I, I said it too. I said it over and over and over, and he said it over and over, and the doctors look at us and say, well, hey, don't you see this guy is really wrecked, and he's probably going to die and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and we said, no. And we just said that. And I felt that just for the, the second that it took me to, to say that sentence. I, I felt it. I knew that that was true. And, uh, Not that you were going to die, but that you were a perfect expression of absolutely, love. Absolutely. A it. perfect expression of love. Absolutely. And some, I don't know what the mechanics of that are, but, but when our mind has a beautiful idea and it's reminded over and over and over, it seems to express that in our actual uh, physical body. And there were all sorts of things. Uh, the doctors first told Sabrina, they didn't tell me. They said, uh, first he may, may die, so be ready for that. Uh, second, he may never walk again. He may never speak again. If he, if he reads the book, he will not understand it. They went on and on with this stuff about some kind of traumatic brain injury I had had, something like that. And, and he said, no, he said, that is not true. That is not true. And sure enough, when the, I finally got out of the, the hospital, I just desperately wanted to come to my, my home again. And finally, I, I wasn't thriving. I think that was the term they used. There's a, a lack of in the well, hospital uh, because I had stopped eating. I, I just didn't want them to eat anymore. So they said, okay. Uh, they said, this is Rina. They said, uh, all right, you can take him to a hospice. And she said, not to a hospice. He's going, he's going home. And they said, okay, he's going to home. And as soon as I got here, I learned how to stand. I learned how to take a few Step. I'd be ter- very, very tired. I felt my belief that I was tired. But then the next day, I would take a whole lot more steps, and it just kept going that way. And at that point, when I got into street clothes again, and I was outside, and I was walking with the dogs, and it just got better and better. Then I went to Florida, where, where the little airplane puff had been rebuilt. All this wreckage that she was in. Back to the to a person who, who built it, and uh, I, I got my test from the FAA. Something I could uh, fly the airplane perfectly, and finally he said, "Okay, she's ready." And I went down to her, and fortunately, the, the, the owner and my my friend who had flown me there, uh, they stayed away, and they let me have time with little Puff, and. And I cried a lot. Yeah. And it was so beautiful to see her perfect because some months after I was home, I, I could walk around. And, uh, and the, the fellow who rebuilt the airplane had, had come to the, the West. And I said, can you, look at, can you look at Puff and see, is there any hope uh, that, that she can fly again? And he came over here and we walked into the hangar which was looking like a morgue there because she was just in pieces then on what was left of her was on the, on the concrete. And he looked around for about five minutes. He didn't say a word. And finally he said, I've had worse than this. And I said, what do you mean you can? And he said, of course I can rebuild her. You put her in a truck, put all the pieces in the truck, send it to, send it to me, and of course she'll be perfect. And that happened. And there are lots of things that happened along the way. But finally that day came when I flew Little Puff again after the crash, after all this stuff. And it was it was it was absolutely wonderful. It was as if as if you had a dear friend who had died and 
she was perfect again. <laughs> and, and I I like that experience. And I learned so much about what dying is. For, for, for so many of us here on this planet, death is, is a tragedy. Yeah. Um, but for the person itself, the person we think is, is dying, it isn't that at all. It's life. It's a it's a kind of joyful homecoming. We don't see it, they see it. And and this strange thing where we feel we should be grieving for them. Yeah. Well they should be grieving for us because they have such joy. And I felt that when I was there. That that very brief little um, near death experience for me. Uh, was just an amazing thing to see how much love there was there all around us. And we think we're separated from it when we're here. We're not really separated, but we believe that we're separated. We believe that we're, we're lost little creatures and we, we only live for a, a, a few years and then we're gone into oblivion. None of that is true. And for me, for the first time, to actually experience that, was was a wonderful event. So, and I, I stopped thinking of it as an accident and thought of it as uh, it, it's my own recognition of what's true. It's a, it's a joyful event. And, uh, and I still feel that way. That's an amazing story, Richard, because it um, not only... Uh, brings hope to my heart, but also in, in when you were describing the um, the experience of rebuilding your airplane puff and yeah. seeing her complete, it 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 sounded like she became your mirror to see yourself. That that the work, the practice you had done, the the work you had done to recover yourself or actually rebuild yourself was made uh, apparent when you got to see your airplane, too. What a wonderful insight that is. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. I, I never thought of it that way, but oh. absolutely you're right. Yeah, I mean, there's like, that's the, and then, to, oh, I just got chills. And then together, you you both, because I, I read I read allusions to the adventures of a reluctant student, and there was a commitment to, re, to rebuild, which... But doesn't necessarily you re you were building a new on a new foundation of a deep experience of love and okay. connection to to your airplane to yourself to all the other characters you re met during yep. this process. Yeah, that that was that was so true. Something happened. I, there's a lot that I don't remember about the seven days that I was. I thought I was gone for fifteen minutes or half an hour, something like that. All the rest of this, I don't really remember, but I do recall that it was, I must have given a promise at that other level that I will rebuild up, Hmm. and that was desperately important for me to do that, and as you said, that was was um, an expression of rebuilding my life, too, so that the life that I had with her lots and lots of hours flying with her all across the country. Uh, all of that was not lost. It was, it was there. It was just a continuation of the life that we had. And uh, that, that was a wonderful experience. And that's what uh, some of what you describe in your book as well, Richard, is that, that, that life is a continuation. That's some of what you saw and felt when you were uh, floating in those seven days. Sure. And, yeah. And it was there, is, there were so many things that happened. Uh, so much. I, I came from this experience uh, with with no question about this world. This world is fiction. It 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 changes with space and time. Things that seem very real uh, in in a few days or a few months, they can be radically changed. One thing that's true is love. That's the one powerful, infinite power. 
example is, is when we die. It's because I've been flying airplanes my whole life, I've had some experiences where I see someone that I knew very well. All of a sudden, there's an explosion, there's fire, and, then, and, and they're, they're gone. And for a long time, I was thinking, oh, my God, what a terrible way to die and that sort of thing. And just a few weeks ago, I met someone, a, a young woman, who had been, uh, she was going to bury uh, her fiancé, and he was killed in a crash. And for several years, he had thought, ah, that's so, that was terrible for that to happen. And at last, I was able to say, it wasn't terrible for him. Oh. A joyful, joyful life. And he never felt the fire. He didn't feel the explosion at all. All of a sudden, it was as if he was dreaming. And then he was in this beautiful place. And I wish there were a way that you could be in touch. And, of course, there is a way that, that we can all be in touch with people who have gone on before us. And, uh, and that seemed to be part of the mission. Part, I, part of why I had this event was to tell other people in a book or sometimes maybe right now, somewhere in your audience, there's one person who really needs to be reminded that that's a beautiful experience, that death experience is beautiful. And not, not to grieve for, for them at all. And the same will be true for us someday. And, uh, well, that, that's a lot, lot of what I've, what I've learned. Yeah, I so appreciate you sharing that with us, Richard. Um, I want to talk, I want to uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about um, th- uh, what I call principles, the spiritual principles that you talk about in your book, Illusions, as well as Jonathan Livingston Siegel. And some of what, uh, why I loved these books when I read them 30 years ago and why I love rereading them is that you, in a very fun way, explain that if we practice love, if we practice seeing the world differently, then we can definitely uh, overcome our limitations, whether it's a f- physical gravity limitation, right? It, like Jonathan Livingston Siegel learned how to fly beyond uh, anybody's imagination. And in Illusions, you talk about in the adventures of a reluctant messiah and then in the adventures of a reluctant student, which I love those phrases, because I'm, I'm so reluctant. I go kicking and screaming when, when, when the universe says, this is where you need to turn left. I go, no, I'm not doing it. You can't make... I'm a redhead, so I tend to be resistant to things. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so in those, in, in, in Illusions, you also talk about that... The idea that anybody can practice uh, changing their reality if their belief is strong enough in the thing that they really can't see in time and space. That, that's so true, except for one word. Okay. They can't change their reality. Uh, the reality is love, period. No space, no time, love, and us as an expression of it. Everything else is fiction. This whole world is fiction. This, this body that's here right now and that maybe in a couple hundred years won't be here, uh, that's not us. That's a fiction. And for us to, to live our, our highest sense of right, what you were saying, to, to learn these things and to live it, that's a good reason for living, to, to have this recognition that we are expressions of love in the highest way. It takes a long time, at least it took a long time for me, to recognize that idea in the first place and then gradually begin to practice it. And practice is so important, as you well know. And, and there will be tests. There will be very difficult times that will come for us to say, oh, that's not true. Uh, you're, going to be, you're going to be crushed. Uh, by space and time. You say, okay, space and time is a, is a fiction. It's not, it's not the truth. It's not 
there, there's such a thing. I call it the, the, the principle of coincidence. I love it. it it's just, it's always there as, as we think these things, a, a coincidence will come right from left field. I have no idea where it came from, but it, it brings us along. And one way or another, it, it, will, it will be a, a, a place where we meet someone who may deeply impress our lives, or we'll see an idea, uh, or uh, all kinds of ways that coincidences can work with us. And it, it, it helps to recognize that. I have no idea what's going to happen to me in the, in the next month, but there's going to be a coincidence that is going to be sail me along my way. I have a quote from your book, uh, The Reluctant Student, Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Student. And, and you said, uh, when the mortal sought understanding, the master offered ideas spoken through coincidence in the language of events and the adventures of life. Oh, and I is... love that you said that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> because I think, I think when people, uh, when the bad stuff happens, yep. and, and this is going back to trying to find a new normal, but when the bad stuff happens, we always want to revert to the way it was because that's more comfortable, even though the way it was may not be so great. Yep. But let's go. Just let me go back to the way it was, and we aren't really present to the idea that these experiences or adventures, as you put them, are really for us to move closer to our highest truth and become more aware of the oneness that we are, the love that we are. Absolutely right. And, and this is a good, uh, a good experience right now. Uh, I, I, I haven't met you before, but right now, there's this wonderful coincidence that we've met and yes. that we're talking together. What's going to happen from this? I have no idea, except that I know this is a wonderful talk. And it, it, it's true for, for all the events that come to us. They're, they're little coincidences that touch us and that can move us and can, can, can soar us way into the sky with the joyful recognition that we are being guided by some principle there, which we don't necessarily understand, but it's there, it's working for us, and it's always working for the better. Um, some, I, I learned in this experience that even if you die, <laughs> that's a joyful event. That there's, We cannot possibly lose because there is this, this wonderful recognition of love. Always and forever, the most powerful event in in anyone's life. And as we recognize that, we begin to see little coincidences. Of, here it is. Here's another expression. Here's another. Here's another. And we recognize that we are giving a gift of our experiences. And sometimes the most difficult experiences we have will touch someone else in such a way that they'll be transformed. And you'll say, did I do that? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to share something because... um, that some of it's a little bit of what I shared with you before we went on air. I um, am am going through a divorce, and for many people, myself included, it it's it feels like a death. And uh, and when it's the when in the process of something ending like that, that's so powerfully done, you know, like a death. Um, there is a grappling with, okay, then who am I now? And, and this is not going to end. You know, I, I'm sure you must have felt that sitting in the hospital. When am I going to get out of here? Exactly right. And, yeah. and the thing that I, in all the little bumps and grinds going through this process, uh, I get to those uh, deep places, dark places, where I think it's never going to end and I'm never going to get out of the pit of despair and everything. And when I, I was in a place like that, just... Uh, last week. And then part of what I've been practicing is being love. And my affirmation has been, I live and move in an atmosphere of love so that my breath is love. And and where I go, love precedes me. And where I leave, love is there. And I had forgotten in the 
in the the yuckiness of the process or the adventure of a life, as you like to put it, I had forgotten (laughs) that that's the truth. That's the highest truth. And, and, And the appearance or the experience is the thing that's growing me into a deeper acceptance or experience or I don't even know what, Richard, an embodiment of oneness and love. And I'm grateful for the experience now. That's so true. And if you didn't have these really difficult times and discover that within you there's something that says, I am holding to this truth no matter what. No matter what. I, I am an expression of love, and it will be reflected all about me, even when it's, it's not true to our eyes. That's, that's where the power happens. Something is happening within our, our whole spirit, and after it will it will change the event. And it, believe me, there will be an end for, for you for this time, and there will be a glorious reason why this part of your life, which has become difficult, is is just being wiped off, and in that place will something beautiful will come for you. You don't need to know what it is, uh, but it will happen. And if we if we have this uh, conversation one year from now, mm. you'll be able to say, and you know the most amazing thing, I met this person or, or this, these events happened to me, and they turned out to be beautiful, and they never would have happened before had I stayed in that marriage. Well, this is, so thank you. Thank you for that. And, and I and what I got to say is, as we're talking, I also am uh, hit with the realization that it takes. And you said this earlier in our discussion that it takes a lot of courage and strength yeah. to be here on planet Earth, going through the adventures of life, and and finding our highest truth. It takes a lot of courage and strength. It absolutely does. And and as we do that as we, as we say I, I, I do not care what my eyes are seeing I care about what my spirit is whispering to me as we do that it, it works and, and the, the, the events that seem to be in space and time in front of us change and become something much more in line with the ideals that we live Okay, I just like I just like fell off there because what you're saying is if we practice this then the events will change right before our eyes. Yes, they will. Okay, so let's talk about that because this is a, this is the uh, it's like a foundational principle that you discuss in uh in a lot of the books that you've written that I've read that there is that place where you can change your perception or, or something like that, right? Absolutely. And, and that's an interesting thing that there's been a, a thread through all the books. I think I'm, I'm writing a new book, but really it's just a, an expression of the whole theme. And that, that theme is just as you said. As we hold something in our thought, we'll see it reflected in our experience. And sometimes the, the change from one to another is, is a difficult time. But we, we, we hold to our highest right, no matter what, and it changes. Like when I was, when I was in the hospital, and, and Sabrina told me, they're, they're, telling me they're, they're telling me these things about how, how you'll never be able to read, you'll never be able to understand. They, they said you'll be able to read Jonathan Siegel, but, but he won't have no idea what it means. All of that was nonsense. It was just, it was a suggestion, like a hypnotistic Right, right. And I could, I could accept it, or I could say, no, I do not accept that. I, uh, that is not true for me. And sure enough, it wasn't true for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm flying airplanes and reading it enough, and all my life is the same as it was, or better than it was. Oh, I'm so thrilled for you. For, I'm so thrilled, Richard. The, and, and thank you for saying that, because in my personal process, uh, 
I when I this is what I noticed after going through this last little uh, roundabout is uh, when I begin to listen to what other people's experience is, uh, that's when I get down into the depths, uh, the pit of despair type of thing, because I begin to believe somebody else's experience. And it's not, it does not have to be my experience. It's so true. Yeah. Absolutely true. And you've proven it. You've absolutely proven it by coming back stronger and rebuilding yourself and, and reflecting that into out into your world with uh, the rebuilding your airplane and getting back in the air. I think that's the, if any, if the thing I would want most from the listeners of living your inspired life to really uh, take home and, and digest is the idea that, uh, principle is not bound by precedent, that whatever happened before does not make that so for everyone. It may be one person's experience, but because we can choose to uh, turn our attention to our highest truth, we don't have to live other people's experiences. We can live our own experience. Absolutely right. Beautifully said. I, you know, okay, so I have another quote from <laughs> from your travels with Puff because it caught my attention probably because of what I'm personally going through because, of course, it's always all about me, right? Oh, yes. Uh, so uh, this is what you said. You said, there is no freedom without independence, no freedom without shattering the chains of someone else pushing, forcing, deciding my life against my will. Freedom's not living as someone says I must, but living true to my unchained spirit. Wow. How dynamic. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's dynamic. I love that that's what's so. Because oh. I believe it's so. Yeah. And, and as it's so, it will be reflected. It may take a little while in space time to happen, but sure enough, it will happen. So let's talk a little bit about the space-time uh, thing, because you use that a lot. And for people that maybe don't know what yeah. that, that really means, let's, let's uh, define it. That, that's what we call uh, the physical world around us. And it's so easy to say that the reality around us, but it isn't real at all. And I've, just, I've, I've learned so much now about the, the fiction of, of what this is. We can change it in a thought. Any of us can, can be wherever we are right now, looking out a window and seeing a city or seeing a, a, a prairie or whatever. If we decide to change that, it will be gone within a matter of hours. And so it is with, with the events, too, not just the, the surroundings, but the events in our lives, too. If we feel that we've been uh, surrounded by difficult times and... Uh, that the world is, is really no good for us, and we change our thinking about that, that's going to change, too. All of a sudden, the world will be a glorious, a kind of, of heaven for ideas around us. And, so, and that changeability, that's our life. Uh, <laughs> so I love this. I love that you're saying all this. And let, can we bring it down to... Um... <laughs> Can we bring it down to earth, Richard, in terms of the time space? Because I, I work with lots of people that really believe that the circumstance in their life, and I am, I am, uh, I, I, that happens to me too, uh, that the circumstance in our lives is the reality, is the truth. And there's so many people on the planet right now that are looking at the experience of the economy and thinking that's real, or the Obamacare and thinking that's real, or politics, or, or religion, or what, and they think that that's real. How, yeah. how would you speak to those? How can, we, how can we talk to those people so that they can really begin just one little step at a time practicing this, besides the well, affirmation of well, something that love? something that I did uh, about that was turn off the television. And I not only turned it off, I took it out of the house. Oh, wow. I, I, ha I haven't looked at tele I've looked at, at, uh, at the computers, but never, never that uh, sense of news. When, when they, they 
like to have something that's bad news and that sort of thing. I just don't hear, hear it. I'm not, I'm not aware of it. And I like my life that way. Other people would say, oh, I, I, can't, I can't live without the, without the news. Uh, right now, we've, we've got a, a news that takes, world, takes anywhere in the world and puts it into our living room. But I, I'm not, I, I don't care about what's happening that far away. I'm caring about the world that I feel, the world that, that the lives that I can touch. That's what I care about. I'm, I'm not here to, to save anybody except myself, right? Right. And as I do that, and as other people do that, I'll watch them and say, oh, well, that's a, that's a good choice. And I'm going to do that, too. So the things I'm hearing, so what I heard you just say, Richard, is to not, this is, I, I practice this too, I don't, I don't watch uh, the news, whichever modality of news is out there, I really don't, because right. what I find is I begin to believe that yeah. instead of what is the highest truth. And then the other thing you were saying is start right where you are, start with your uh, immediate circle of lives that you can uh, touch and love and support and right. help. Absolutely right. Those are great. Those are two great tools, Richard. I, I so appreciate that you said that. And um, the other thing, so, okay, we have about five minutes left. So I'm trying to decide what's the most important thing, Richard Bach. <laughs> what is it? What is it we can, uh, we can end with? Although I would like to end with a, a, a the story that opens um, illusions, I will tell you that. But so out of all of this, oh, here's what I know I want to say. Your, part four of Jonathan Livingston Siegel that you added, it was interesting because in uh, you said earlier uh, that you didn't, when you originally wrote it, you felt like it just needed three parts and part four wasn't necessary. And then when I read part four in the book that just came out, uh, I understood why it wasn't included in the first book. And I think it's because 30 years ago, the awareness, the consciousness, if you will, on the planet wasn't ready for the part that you were talking about, which is about uh, going back into separation, of, of recognizing that the, the master teacher, if the master teacher isn't there, then I can't learn. Yeah. And if the master teacher isn't there, then then the teachers that learned with the master teacher, when they all die away, it reverts or it moves to this place of um, of ritualism or dogmatism or or yeah. even just a bunch of uh, gossip stories about <laughs> what the master teacher taught, which wasn't even what he was teaching That's or right. her or she was teaching. So, and that's why, and I think it's timely now that people need to kind of, I think they're awake enough to go, oh, let me think about that. Well, it's interesting. We'll see what happens. Maybe people will read it. Maybe they, maybe they won't read it. Well, okay. Uh, and so let's talk about, so you're going to start a, a website called JonathanLivingstonSiegel.com. And is that a place where people can blog or connect up and absolutely. talk about these ideas? Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, there, 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 there are a couple of people who, who really know about computers and that sort of thing. They're, they're very, very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just that's happening right now. It, it will be online on the 31st. Um, and there's, there's just going to be uh, people's stories about how they the ideas of Jonathan Siegel and what happened to them. I got a, a, a postcard once uh, from a fellow who had been an ad executive Madison Avenue in, in Manhattan. And uh, he had read Jonathan and said, uh, I, I, don't, I don't like this life. I'm going to change it. He always wanted to sail a little boat. He got a little boat and he was going to sail it around the world. He sent me a postcard uh, from Portugal. Oh wow! <laughs> and I, I never heard from him again. I, I don't. All he said was that I'm living the life that I want to do, oh. and it was a radical choice for him, but it was the perfect choice for him. And and the same thing is true for us. 
we all have. Whatever we love to do, that's, that's our path. Follow that path no matter what. There's something I've, I've read just the other day in the, uh, in, the, in the computer of someone who had always wanted to be a mermaid. Now, <laughs> now she's called Mermaid Melissa. Oh, where, my. Where she, she has learned to hold her breath for five minutes oh, underwater. My goodness. And she, uh, she's got a, a little company now. And uh, so you think, if somebody loves to do that, how could it possibly happen to her? Well, now it's her life. She, she, my goodness. <laughs> she's doing all, all kinds of Oh, stuff. my goodness. So, Richard Bach, I, again, to just gush a little bit more, am so grateful for everything you've written, every single word. Uh, and I'm so grateful that you're still around flying the skies so that you can continue to write more and inspire uh, people. And uh, I want to encourage everybody to go to jonathanlivingstonsegal.com and share your your transformative story, your story of freedom and flight. And Richard, I, I'm gonna I want to end with this story that starts illusions. If you if you will indulge me, sure. Okay. <sighs> Once there lived a village of creatures along the bottom of a great crystal river. The current of the river swept silently over them all. Young and old, rich and poor, good and evil, the current going its own way, knowing only its own crystal self. Each creature in its own matter clung tightly to the twigs and rocks of the river bottom, for clinging was their way of life, and resisting the current, what each had learned from birth. But one creature said at last, I'm tired of clinging. Though I cannot see it with my eyes, I trust that the current knows where it's going. I shall let go and let it take me where it will. Clinging, I will die of boredom. The other creatures laughed and said, Fool, let go and that current will you worship will throw you and tumble you, smash you across the rocks, and you will die quicker than boredom. But the one heeded them not, and taking a deep breath, let go, and at once was tumbled and smashed by the currents across the rock. Yet in time, as the creature refused to cling again, the current lifted him free from the bottom, and he was bruised and hurt no more. And the creatures downstream, to who he was a stranger, cried, See, a miracle, a creature like ourselves, yet he flies. The Messiah, come to save us all. And the one carried in the current said, I am no more Messiah than you. The river delights to free us. If only we dare let go, our true work is this voyage, this adventure." But they cried the more, Savior, Savior, all the while clinging to the rocks. And when they looked again, he was gone, and they were left alone making legends of a Savior. Richard Bach, thank you so much for today. And I'm just going to say, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can... See all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.